Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. Now, since he took office, Democrat Gavin Newsom has cemented California's status as America's progressive and free spending state. But frustrations over his handling of the pandemic has fueled a Republican led effort to supplant him before his term ends. Let's get the latest now from Rich Preston, BBC presenter, joining us on the phone. Hi, Rich. How are you doing this Monday? I'm very good, thanks, Rachel. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very well. So, Rich, let's get into it. Tomorrow, there's a special election in California over whether to remove the state's governor, Gavin Newsom. What's the latest? Yeah, this is this is really interesting. It's a mechanism in American politics. They call it a, a recall ballot to remove a state mm. official. Now, California is America's largest economy, $3.2 billion in gross state product in 2019. If it were its own country, it would be the fifth largest economy ahead of India. Now, this all started for Gavin Newsom in February 2020 when a group called the California Patriot Coalition started a petition to prompt this recall ballot. Uh, They cited, as Timothy mentioned, its policies on immigration, as well as things like homelessness, taxes, and the state's drought emergency. It wasn't really an issue for Mr. Newsom. California is a largely Democrat state. Uh, There are some firm Republicans, but not many. So with all those reasons the Patriot Coalition cited, uh, they still didn't get the numbers needed for the petition to prompt the vote. But then, not long after, Gavin Newsom was spotted at the launch of an upscale restaurant, socializing, mingling, sitting down to dinner in the middle of the pandemic and while there was a ban in place on indoor dining, a ban which he introduced that prompted a huge backlash. He did apologize, but for Uh many that wasn't enough. They saw it as hypocritical, double standards, and the number of the signatures on that petition soared over 1.7 million, more than enough to prompt this special election, which is, as you said, happening tomorrow. It's only the second time in California's history it's happened. The last time it happened, uh, saw Arnold Schwarzenegger replace the Democrat Gray Davis back in 2003. Now, what makes this interesting is the numbers behind this. Now, statistically, in America, recalls are successful. About 60% of state officials who face a recall are removed from office. So the numbers suggest that Gavin Newsom will not have his job for very long. But what he does have in his favor are uh, the statistics. Um, he won his election by 62% um, in, as we mentioned, what is a largely Democrat state. So he does have that on his side. Uh, what else is interesting, though, is that there are two questions on the paper. One, should Gavin Newsom be replaced? And two, if so, by who? Now, What makes that interesting is that 51% of people could vote to kick him out, um, but then his name can't appear on the second part of that paper. Mm. So you could ultimately have 49% of people want to keep him, but he's replaced by someone who gets a much lower percentage of the vote. Uh, So this vote, as you say, happening tomorrow. Very interesting uh, what's happening there in California. Of course, if every jurisdiction will have a recall legislation like that, would be great as well. Rich Preston is joining us. Uh, he's from the BBC. Rich, this weekend, a televised debate in Germany for candidates poised to take over from Angela Merkel as chancellor. What should we be watching out for? Yeah, now this is the third and final debate. It's happening three days before the election. Now, this is 
significant not only because Germany is Europe's largest economy, it's such a key ally of countries like the US, us here in the UK, but also because of what it means for Germans itself. Now, Angela Merkel has been the Chancellor since 2005. 16 years she's been leading the country. So there are teenagers and people in their mid-20s who've literally never known or don't remember anyone else ever running Germany. Her nickname in the country is Mooty, Mummy. And by most measures, she's done a good job. She was re-elected three times. There was widespread support of her handling of the pandemic. Many attributed that to her scientific background. She's a chemist by training. Um, those debating uh, to replace her are Armin Laschet from the Christian Democrats. That's Angela Merkel's own party. Olaf Scholz from the Social Democrats and Annalena Baerbock of the Greens. Now, Armin Laschet, he is the favourite. Uh, he's the premier of North Rhine-Westphalia, the most populous state. Now, he's from an industrial background, uh, was leading the polls. Uh, he has supported traditional industries like mining, but that has worked against him when it comes to the younger voters and people who are more conscious of environmental credentials. Mm. Um, Olaf Scholz uh, is the finance minister at the moment. He's seen as a steady hand. In fact, his nickname is uh, scholz -Omat. He's uh, seen as very kind of routine and stable, which, of course, Germans like. And Annalena Baerbock, uh, the only woman in the race, she's the first ever Green candidate as chancellor, and she's really riding the success wave of the climate movement and people who are conscious of our impact on the environment. She's not held a major political office before, but she says that works in her favour and she's a fresh face. So you've mentioned climate change there. What are some of the key topics that we're likely to see up for debate? Well, we imagine there will be questions on security, mm -hmm. Afghanistan, uh, and the future of Germany, particularly when it comes to young people, but also Germany's place in the world. Now, uh, Angela Merkel has been around the table for key events. You know, 16 years she has been there through Presidents Obama, Trump, Biden, through Prime Ministers David Cameron, Theresa May, and of course Boris Johnson, uh, as well as people who are traditional adversaries of the West, like Vladimir Putin. Angela Merkel speaks fluent Russian, you know, and at key mm -hmm. meetings she has been there, whether it's key climate uh, meetings, defence meetings, uh, and so Germans really will be looking uh, for someone who will be a keen, steady hand on the tiller, who can negotiate with people like the US President, the British Prime Minister, as well as those in power in Russia and China. So international relations likely to form a key part of this debate. Uh, Rich, if you are paying attention to elections, because I love elections, and Canada is having its own uh, elections as well, with uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau calling it, uh, calling an early election, in fact, two years after the last one. But now he is trailing his party's trailing in popularity. He himself is a prime minister's trailing in popularity, in fact, to the third uh, party leader, the NDP's Jagmeet Singh, who is now touted to be the next kingmaker. What do you think will happen to Justin Trudeau? Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, it was a gamble of him to call this election, and I think it's a gamble he's probably regretting now. He was you know, generally praised for Canada's handling of the pandemic, and seems like he thought he could ride that wave of success. But as you said, it's not going too well for him now. The Conservative leader, Erin O'Toole, is taking lots of the attention. And Justin Trudeau has been criticised for being effectively a bit lackluster and although he has you know handled the pandemic relatively well his critics say that he's not stood up to countries like china uh, over the issues around huawei uh, and that he's not just been a, a firm strong enough 
international leader, that Canada has kind of shied away from the international stage. So Erin O'Toole from the Conservatives, um, challenging him on that. And as you mentioned, the uh, NDP party's leader, Jagmeet Singh, potentially becoming kingmaker here. He's getting a lot of attention in the debate. Um, and it could be that thing where... Um, Voters who are a little bit bored with Justin Trudeau and not really inspired, not really finding he's got that spark, um, but also not wanting to make the switch to the Conservative Party, end up um, giving their vote to the NDPs. Uh, and we could end up seeing a really interesting coalition mix in Canada, where, as you say, Jagmeet Singh gets to decide, really, uh, who gets to leave Canada over the next four years. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Well, Rich, very quickly, finally, uh, a no-car day in Paris on Sunday. What's happening? Yeah, they do this every year. They have done since 2015 when Paris hosted the COP21 climate conference. The day is called Journée Paris Respire, or Paris Breathe Day. No motorised vehicles allowed on the streets of the city. Exceptions, of course, like ambulances. Now, City mm. Hall says it's an opportunity for Parisians to explore the city in a new way. No noise, no smell, no pollution. And officials during the day will be monitoring air quality in the city, taking samples by bicycle. There are, of course, critics, taxi drivers, people who depend on driving for their livelihood, businesses who say they can't get deliveries in time. But Paris isn't the only city to do this. Mexico City, Bogota, Ho Chi Minh City and Brussels all run similar events. City officials in Paris insist the day is a success, that Paris is better off for it and that they will do it again next year. Wonderful. Well, Rich, thank you so much for all of those updates. It's always wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. We've been speaking with Rich Preston, presenter at the BBC. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.